Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion Podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. My guest today is a woman who's drawing on her Christian faith in order to face the challenge of a cancer diagnosis. In fact, we're sitting in a flat next to Guy's Hospital, where she's just had a chemotherapy session. She's called Carmel Thompson, and yes, she is a relation. She's my only sister. Carmel, this is a difficult subject for both of us to be discussing, but especially for you. And yet, there is something you'd like to say. And that's why I'm delighted that you've agreed to appear on your brother's podcast. (laughs) Well, it is a a privilege to be able to speak about this experience um, and actually to speak about it in a very positive way because I think I've astonished myself as well as as other people about uh, how I've reacted to it. I think I always thought I was somebody who wasn't going to get cancer. It might have been the heart disease from our family or something else, but it just wasn't in my universe at all. And coming in a year that was very fraught with difficulties from um, a, a very traumatic relationship breakup and the decline and then the loss of our dear mother in the summer you would have thought that was my lot for the year, really. And lo and behold, about a week after the funeral, I began to get some symptoms, which turned out uh, eventually to be a cancer diagnosis. So really, they do come in threes, these things, uh, as legend says. I was convinced that the symptoms were uh, of a gallbladder nature. I absolutely hadn't turned on to the idea of cancer. I thought my symptoms added up to gallstones or some inflammation in that area. And then it was a rather slowish investigation with my GP and taking myself off to a private uh, London GP and then to fund my own scan because that's what I thought was going on. And then some more tests to do with uh, possibly IBS. So, Damien, you and I were both looking up uh, how does one live well with IBS. Maybe that's a reaction to all the stress I'd had. And then the GP was, was tending to think towards maybe inflammatory bowel disease. And I know people who live with this lifelong disease and they, and they live successfully and very well. So I was adjusting my mindset to that. But things just got really awful, just worse and worse. The pain was building, upset uh, bowels. I was swelling like a balloon eventually. It almost looked like I was seven months pregnant by the end. And uh, It actually looked exactly as if you were... But, uh, um, everybody noticed and was very worried. I think I had just convinced myself that this was inflammation of the bowel and I began to worry that I was going to have some kind of toxic colon problem. And I was very lucky in that my office had a Booper work scheme, which I'd never really thought about before. I've always gone through the NHS. But I began to think, well, maybe, maybe as you get older, things happen, it would be sensible to join the scheme. And thank goodness I did, because I was able then to hurry along some consultant options for various different things. Was it a gynae thing? Was it a, was it a gastro thing? And not a moment too soon, because the desperation was building. I could not 
sleep at night. The pain was unresolvable, an ache, uh, a cramp. There was no position at night that I could get comfortable. I remember being one night, I was on all fours with my head in the pillow in desperation, almost in tears. I just didn't know what to do with myself. So this was my journey and quite quickly, really over the weeks that uh, followed the summer, so by the by the middle of October, I was really very unwell. I managed to go away on holiday with a great friend of mine, but I was sweaty, I was hot, I was aching. I and I, I remember. Forgive me for interrupting you, yes. but why why break the habit of a lifetime? I've been doing yes. it forever. I was more concerned than you were because perhaps I I had a slightly clearer idea of what what the dangers were and what seemed to be the worst came to pass. And we are right next to the hospital where, well, it was the most dreadful moment of my life. Having spoken to the consultants just a few minutes earlier, I had to warn you as we walked in to see the consultant, warn you of something that you already knew, that the news was not going to be good. In fact, it was devastating news. And that was one, talking about myself as usual, that was one experience for me it seemed quite incredible just after we'd buried our mother. And that was followed by another overwhelming experience, which was watching you respond to a diagnosis of stage four ovarian cancer with not just courage, but a constructive optimism, an almost charismatic optimism that has had the, a, a terrific effect on me and on your friends and on my friends. And I'm, although very well aware of the devastating nature of the diagnosis, have begun to think about your cancer differently, particularly as, let me say, we've had some rather good news yes. recently <laughs> that the chemotherapy is working extremely well. You've always been more conventionally religious than I have, let's, let's put it that way. And... I was curious to know, because like most sort of middle-class English families, we don't talk about these things, what role your Catholic faith has played in establishing this extraordinarily positive attitude? I think it would be fair to say, to be honest, that previously I've been rather a, what you might say, a sort of fair-weather friend that... It's easy to feel buoyed up by faith when things are going reasonably well in your life and to pray more and to go to Mass more when things are going well. And I have found before when other things have been going wrong that I have got very angry and rather neglectful. But with the turn of events with this, and I think coming so soon after Mummy uh, died, um, her example has helped me recalibrate my faith in a way because she bore her Parkinson's disease and all the things that she had to go through at the end of her life with such courage, such fortitude and such blessedness in a way that she's almost stood before me as an example to try and have faith that there is, there is a guiding light, that there is more than appears on the surface and to to trust in God that uh, I can find strength and comfort. So she, she's been a tremendous inspiration, I think, from that point of view. And then, of course, all the outpouring of love and signs of affection from you in motivating me and keeping me strong 
and from all the different kinds of service that people have done me from gifts from lifts from cooking for me from visiting from bustling around my house making sure things are tidy a real outpouring of love that I think to myself well this is a sign that should help me build my faith and and so I have found myself turning to prayer more and turning to readings um, with their and your and mummy's example Um, I think that sort of helped me find a new strength from that point of view. And, and this is quite extraordinary to me, first of all, because it has had such a positive effect and has helped me enormously. But secondly, I cannot begin to think of myself reacting in anything like that positive fashion. I, I would fall apart spectacularly. I, I fall apart spectacularly if, um, if I didn't get an article into the <laughs> spectator, so, as my colleagues know. So how I would deal with a, a, a diagnosis of advanced cancer, I don't know. But what struck me and still strikes me and still makes me very angry is the unfairness of it. You went through a very difficult breakup about which I had strong feelings. Um, We have, for the last 10 years, watched our saintly mother suffer enormously and not complain, and you have borne most of the burden of looking after her, in effect, sacrificing much of your own own happiness for her, although I know you found satisfaction in looking after her. When she died, I felt she was nearly 95, and I felt it was a, a release, but I also felt that this wonderfully... How do I put it? This most wonderful of women had almost been punished for a lifetime of of kindness to others and devotion to her God. And then when, a few weeks later, the person who looked after her most and whose only family member, God help her, was me, immediate family member, I just thought, you bastard, God, how could you do this? And let me say immediately that in in the past, I've always thought this business of blaming God was a bit silly because we don't expect God to suspend the laws of nature and by and large he doesn't. I've never been a great believer in in miracles so when people have blamed God for this or that I've thought well that's illogical surely it shouldn't interfere with your faith in God however unhappy you are. But my faith in God well perhaps I'd better not say what happened to it but certainly didn't strengthen it and for you to derive comfort from your religion a time like this rather than getting angry with God is remarkable perhaps you did get angry with God I have had my moments I think I'm when I wake up early in the morning when you're less rational and more fearful like at two o'clock in the morning or something I think I have my moments but it's more in terms of a helplessness that's what I kind of feel at times that I am this passive recipient of all these events going on. But I, but I pull myself together where, you know, later in the day and when I'm around people to think, this is a very common disease. I mean, I did look up the other day and I found that every single day, 20 cases of ovarian cancer are diagnosed in this country. And usually diagnosed at a, at a late stage, as yours were, because yes. they, it is very difficult to to spot in its early stages. You didn't have any symptoms until the the cancer was advanced. Yes, cancer was advanced, and this is by no means uncommon, and therefore I am not a rarity singled out for unusual punishment. And every single one of my friends has either experienced it themselves or in a family member or knows a friend who has got it or has had it. So 
this is uh, this is a, a scene that goes through our society. So it is. It does seem extraordinarily unlucky. My year of 2018 was in some ways absolutely disastrous. But I I suppose that is the random nature of of life, and it's how you respond to it that makes the difference. And it's it's much easier for me to say these things. And I'm surrounded by lovely people as I am at the moment and with my friends to help me than it is at two o'clock in the morning. But generally speaking, I think I also thought that I'd had two awful things happen to me and I am not going to have any more misery. I'm going to try and build myself out of this and turn it around. And to some extent... I do believe you have the power to change your thinking sometimes and to create a better experience. Now, that, that, really is, that really is extraordinary because a lot of people, and that would certainly include me, would say, right, I've had two horrible things happen to me. Here's a third. I give up. And you didn't. In fact, I've heard people say, this has almost created a new Carmel, <laughs> um, a more dynamic, positive and cheerful Carmel but I should mention this briefly, in an earlier career, you qualified as, as, as a doctor. So you're under no illusions about you know, what a serious cancer this is. I remember talking to a, a doctor friend of mine, a GP friend of mine. He's a great doctor. He's called Dr. Rob Weeks. But he's sort of unsentimental in his approach to medicine, which, which is why he's a good doctor. He doesn't give you false hope. But I said, we, we were talking about your case. And I said, Carmel's positive attitude seems to be helping. And I, I expected him to say, well, yes, positive attitudes are fine. But that won't make any difference. And he said, well, yes, positive attitude can boost the immune system. Now, that I thought was very interesting because I'm always very, very sceptical of the notion that you know, people can fight cancer through willpower. But it turns out that there is, at least to an extent, a connection between positive mental attitude and, I'm delighted to say, the sort of amazingly good results that you're having from chemotherapy i mean yes i am buoyed up by the fact of these lovely results in recent days when an awful lot uh, has resolved i'm not out of the woods yet by any means and that does feel a bit like an achievement not just by me and my attitude but all the support that's gone on around me and the excellent care of course from uh, guys that i've had from dr anna winship and katie Aris, the uh, specialist nurse their emotional as well as uh, the physical support has made an enormous difference to me. Another very important moment for my faith, I should mention, is the lovely visit I had from your longtime friend, Father Julian Large, from the Brompton Oratory in London, who came to my hospital room at the beginning of the treatment and everything that I had to face. And he offered me to hear my confession and the blessing of the sick. And it was a moment of real peace and serenity, helping me to feel protected, to feel that I was part of something uh, bigger than what was going on in that hospital room and really helping me to face what was to come. So that was a very lovely moment. I think one of the, the lessons I'm learning is about being proactive in these situations. And that's very hard to do when you're the recipient of a lot of processes. Sometimes when you're, I mean, I had a real low moment, low moment lying on a, a trolley when they were doing a biopsy with CT scans and ultrasounds going on around me and needles everywhere. And you feel terribly floppy and helpless. 
But I learned the lesson of you can have a role in this by deciding to boost your attitude, by taking everything one step at a time, by working at your expectations. And actually a lot to do with protecting my thoughts as well, so that I've decided not to rely on Dr. Google. Um, whereas I would have, for a friend, perhaps with the same disease, I would have gone out and looked at lots of papers. But I know I scared myself in the early days looking at that. So I no, I, I, scared, yes. <laughs> I, I scared myself enormously. I, I can't remember how many times I Googled ovarian cancer. Oh, yes. Mortality yes. rates, yes. things like that. Things Gradually I, I began to realise that um, I can see why doctors get so cross with this Googling because so many of these mortality rates actually can't be applied to individual cases. Nonetheless, it's one of the more serious cancers. Yes. Going back to the question of religion, but also your friends who aren't religious. Now, when our mother died, uh, we were, she was given the most beautiful funeral by Monsignor Patrick Daly um, in, in Caversham, a priest I hadn't met before. Absolutely lovely man. Um, very interesting theologically, but uh, he rang me the night before and he said, there's a special favour to you, Damien, I'm going to wear my beretta <laughs> at the funeral. Anyway, it was a lovely funeral for her at which I didn't feel grief. Seems an extraordinary thing to say since I, I love my mother so much, but I didn't feel grief because I'd grieved, done my grieving beforehand and so had you. And I, I, I felt almost no grief after she died simply because the ordeal of seeing her die had, had, had been so dreadful. And then I was also overwhelmed by the kindness of the parishioners of St. Anna's Cavisham and seeing them come together in such a positive way it, it, exuding friendliness and love, happy memories, and all of it bound together with their spiritual lives, many of the members of the SVP, which, which Mummy was involved with, um, made me think more positively about the Catholic Church at a time when the Catholic Church on the whole is behaving disgracefully. Then you faced your health crisis. And, of course, a lot of your friends, like a lot of mine, aren't Catholic. But what I've seen is the same love, tenderness and concern from people who in many cases don't have Christian religious beliefs. And it is very, very hard to distinguish from the lovely people who are Christians and the lovely people who aren't. Because they are a shining Christian example of good works and not just with the trivial things with sending a message uh, or giving me a phone call, but giving of their time and trying to think of all of the different ways in which they could cheer me up and support me at home. I have the most wonderful neighbour, Shelley, who I just have the good fortune to She is to indeed a wonderful <laughs> person, yes. So we started off having lovely girl times when I was healthy, sharing Prosecco evenings, but then she began to reveal just what a loving person she is. And as soon as my troubles began of various sorts, she has gone out of her way to think how she could make the house tidy, how she could give me lifts to the station, how she could buy me little gifts, and doing simple things like makeup lessons, because she's a bit of an expert and has worked with people going through chemotherapy before, how to really cheer yourself up, because things like with the hair loss that's going on and loss of eyebrows and things, you lose your sense of self. You begin to wonder... Well, where did I go? I'm looking very blank. So with Shelley's help, sort of how to do a little bit of eyebrow makeup, how to work with eyeliner to give yourself a little bit of a pizzazz and a little bit of a lift. It's been absolutely wonderful how you and all sorts of friends have helped me through this. 
such as Paul and Jim, my bosom buddies, Paul I worked with for many years, coming over to do these enormous cookathons so that I would have delicious food packed into my freezer, uh, so easy for me to make, and bring their hilarious dog to entertain me as I sort of going through uh, the effects of chemo and, and uh, picking myself up day by day. And friends like my recently retired GP friend Iwin and another college time friend Bethan just uh, popping into the hospital room making sure I had pyjamas and packs of big knickers when I needed it and taking me out for trips taking me to my scans and helping my house to stay clean and tidy and friend Jenny also ringing up uh, to sort out my paperwork uh, because that's her particular strength. Bethan and Tracy and Iowen and I'm sure I missed somebody out but these are these are people I didn't know beforehand and it's been a wonderful experience for me to step out of the very fraught anxiety-ridden world of journalism in which people are constantly mainly me name dropping but also um, tremendously sorry for themselves a lot of the time extremely competitive and to enter into a rather different world in which people seem to be chiefly concerned for others. Now, I'm exaggerating, it's really a false dichotomy because, of course, they have their own careers and they're not like that all the time and lots of journalists are absolutely lovely. But what I'm trying to say is that a new dimension has opened in my own life as a result of your cancer, although, of course, I cannot forget about the, the shadow that hangs over you. That's impossible. Yes, I mean, I am choosing at the moment to try not to think too much about the bigger picture. I mean, I am obviously aware I have a life-threatening disease and I'm doing well at the moment, but I'm sort of containing my horizons at the moment. And I'm trying to enjoy this, this rather privileged time where I can... It's a smaller life, it's a simpler life but to really engage with people in quality time together. People that perhaps you would normally see perhaps once or twice a year of that, uh, to have long visits with them, just to talk about normal life things, hopefully not to bore people on and on with my symptoms. because that Which you obvious. don't, which you don't. And my goodness, the opportunities for doing so, because the symptoms of ovarian cancer are so nasty and so multifarious that um, it would be very easy to talk about nothing else, and you don't. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I like to get away from it, actually. Some people like to dwell on every aspect of the disgustingness of uh, disease, and I really don't. I, I like to hear what people are up to, what, they've, what they're doing with their families and... It, what they're enjoying at the cinema and uh, so it is a it's not a complex life it's a very regimented in some way with tablets and with managing my energy and all of that but uh, to have that time away from the performance of work and just to concentrate on on people really because people are no doubt are the best medicine and and to build those relationships that uh, will last a lifetime um, and that includes between you and me. It certainly does. I'm not going to say I'm grateful to your cancer, <laughs> but I'm profoundly grateful to you for the way that you've reacted to it. God bless you, Carmel, and thank you so much for appearing on this podcast. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you. Thank you.